For the latest game-changing digital experiences and tomorrow's experiential marketing trends, visit Pixel Lab in West London. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning into today's podcast from. And I'm delighted to say again, and I've said this a little bit more frequently in the past few months than I have in the past couple of years, that they have let me out of the cage. Uh, The suitcase was packed up early this morning. Uh, The microphones and the mixer are down in London at the moment. And we're at Pixel Lab uh, in the heart of West London. The Pixel Lab facility is the London home of DB Pixel House and is uh, an innovation space that showcases a range of amazing tech and content that the company can deliver. Uh, And my guests on the show today are not one, not two, but three guests. Firstly, we are joined by Alistair Rees, Director of DB Pixel House. Alistair, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Matt Rakowski is the Marketing Manager for DB Pixel House. Matt, good to see you again. Hello, mate. And Adam Price is sat to my right and Matt's left. Adam is the Sales Manager for Pixel Lab and DB Pixel House. Adam, great to see you. Good morning. Um, So, as I said very briefly at the start of today's episode... um, We are in Pixel Lab, and it's a place that has its very own unique name and identity. Um, It's part of the DB Pixel House group. And and Matt, perhaps we start with you by asking quite simply, how long has this facility been here, and why why was it created? Okay, so we've been here since early last year. We did a sort of bit of a staged opening as we were developing the space, and it's one of those spaces that will always be a work in progress because it's showcasing our our latest our latest content and digital experiences. Um, We were looking for a space in 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 or around London to invite uh, brands and agencies and and clients that we work with, where we can just take over a space permanently. It becomes our own innovation centre, if you like, to, to to actually show the very best of what we do. Um, because a lot of our solutions are quite complicated to explain, mm-hmm. unless, uh, but if you've got somebody there physically experiencing it, then it makes it, it, makes it a lot easier um, for, them, for them to get what it is that we do. Sure, and, and I suppose to invest in any satellite office when you have a, a base, and we should point out that the DB Pixel House has a, <coughs> a, the HQ is up in Tewkesbury in right, Gloucestershire, Gloucestershire yeah. um, so to, to invest in any sort of satellite office is a significant investment but to invest in one that's not just desks and laptops but's actually got quite a lot of kit here is is a big commitment to the company was it a long sort of thought process that went behind it or did you sort of were you inspired by seeing something similar and thought right great we need to do that and do it quickly? no i mean it's something that we'd had on the cards for for quite a while because we realized that the, the biggest way to to effectively sell what we do to clients is for them to see it and experience it we are essentially selling experiences and you know for people to want to have that from us that if they can experience it themselves in the best possible environments then, then, then that's a winning situation, really, because before having this, this space, we would either invite people into our space up in Gloucestershire, mm. which it's not an easy thing to do. Somebody has to be really, really interested to want to take you know, a couple of hours' journey on a train to come up to spend a little bit of time there, etc. Or we were going off to people's offices and doing a little demo sort of setup, which in, in its own way was obviously very arbitrary. Yeah. Um, but here, it's, it's permanently set up. We've got the best possible kit that we could have running the content on, 
um, and always the latest digital experiences content we've created to show. And, and you could probably pick up, um, I, don't, I don't know if the, if the microphones are getting this, but you know, we are in a, an interactive installation here, so you'll probably hear some, some, some music and, and stuff happening in the background. There'll be people coming in and out today because there, there are constantly visitors coming in and out of this facility to see what's happening here. And, um, and we didn't want to turn all that off today just because we're recording the podcast. So hopefully some of that translates through. Um, and when Matt talks about experiences, um, Adam, from a, from a, I suppose from a sales point of view, um, as Matt pointed out, people may have to travel a couple of hours on a train up to Tewkesbury to the, to the HQ there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people that you'll work with, the agencies and the clients, you know, it's fair to say will be London-based, won't they? It, it must be great geographically to have a place here that you can <clears throat> talk to clients about what you can deliver. Yeah, I think kind of geographically a lot of the brands and agencies are London-based, but then over 80% of our work now is outside of the UK, so mm. we're actually working a lot in Europe and all around the world, and then we've also got clients in Edinburgh, but this seems to be a reasonable place to kind of for people to get to. You can walk down the canal from Paddington Station, you're here in 15 minutes, so it's kind of a really easy place for, for people to get to. And, and just going back a little bit to um, creating an experience there, I think it's sometimes important to pluck people away from surroundings that they're familiar with mm. and drop them into a location that is a bit unique and a bit different for them. So it, we did kind of have successful demonstrations at our offices in Tewkesbury and then we've kind of taken some roadshows around and they've been successful. But what we've found here is the intent is that people come here with a focus and their focus is to sit down, flesh some ideas out, see what's new, see what's innovative, and then they can kind of sit in an area where they're not familiar with. And they, they do start to come up with new ideas, and they can, we can challenge them, they can mm. challenge us, um, and it just gives us a nice kind of creative environment. It's interesting you say that, Adam, and I'm, I'm going to come to you now, Alistair, but, uh, because when you do something that's a bit different and, and, and is new for the business, it's not just perhaps an inspiration to the, to the clients, an opportunity for them to be, see a new experience. I guess that as a business and as a company, just by opening this facility, it's probably given your own team new ideas. Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is a place that, yes, we, we introduce new clients here. We kind of get them to know who we are and what we're about. We get them hands-on with all the latest innovation and tech and software that we make. But actually, a secondary purpose for this is, is an R&D lab for us, a testing mm. lab. So midway through software builds for clients, we'll bring them here, let them get hands-on with it and sort of give us suggestions of yeah. where they might want to take it. And it's just a great space to collaborate and to kind of build on um, what we're doing with it. Yeah, and I suppose, again, as, as you talk about a subject like this more and the more you get into it, you realise then there are clearly other avenues and tangents that, that a facility like this offers, not, not least the opportunity to, to do that testing. You know, if you're working on a really significant project that's got multiple strands of content, hardware, it's all got to work together, you know. What you don't want to do is just turn up on site, whether that's a temporary installation or a permanent installation, and then start troubleshooting. Yeah, I mean, so there is that, and it's, it sounds cliche, but the kind of discovering the art of possible. We know because we're so event-based and so tech-based, we know what we can do, and we can imagine things of combinations of different softwares and technologies to come up with a new idea that might get a brand's message across. But our clients are not always that in tune with the technology and what's possible. So this is a great place for us to basically take them through (coughs) the various installations we've got here, but also talk about what we can create for them, something new. Mm. Um, And... 
where one of the ideas why we got the lab in the first place was because events work for us. We work in events heavily. We yeah. also do permit installs and various other things, but the events work really well for us. When we get face-to-face -face with clients and they can use our interactives and our experiences, that really is what sells for us. So to have a demo space 24-7, 365 is just perfect for us. Um, and also, we're kind of practicing what we preach. This is what we're saying to brands is, get experiential with your customers, whether that's yeah. B2B or B2C, get experiential with them and make the impact and you have a connection. So mm. that's what we're doing here with our brands and our customers. Mm. And you said 24-7, 365, <coughs> is it permanently staffed at Pixel Lab here? Or, you know, is there, or is it, generally speaking, there's going to be somebody here on every day of the week working in London? Pretty much every day. There's usually two or three people in a day, um, clients-wise. But obviously it depends. Sometimes we'll book it out for a week block when we might want to test. Like we were just working on some facial recognition stuff, for example. So we'll book it out for our own testing purpose internally. But then any of those time slots that aren't booked in for that, then the sales team and Adam's guys and girls basically take it on and fill it with clients pretty much every day. Yeah, I mean, meetings down here are appointment only. So obviously if anybody wants to come right. and experience it, they're more than welcome to. But we, but we like to book it in purely to, for a number of reasons. One, to make sure that we're not testing something down here and, and, and the lab is booked out like that. And also yeah. just to make sure that, that they don't overlap too so we can give people our undivided attention. I, I was going to ask, and perhaps it's an obvious one that we've not really touched on yet, that when, when I introduced where we are, it is Pixel Lab. Yes, it's part of DB Pixel House, yep. but it's very specifically branded Pixel Lab. That's right. Um, going back to you know why the facility was created from a, from a marketing and a brand point of view, was it important that it did have its own identity and it wasn't just the London office? Yes, it was. And if, uh, in fact, internally, for a while, whilst we were developing the concept of the place, we did just refer to it as the lab. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, from a marketing perspective, we needed to give it a bit more of a definitive identity. Um, for people finding us on search or just referring to us colloquially. So, so we, uh, we used our usual naming convention and chucked a pixel in front of it and came yeah. with a pixel lab. <laughs> um, but really, the, la the, the word lab is, is um, very indicative of the space because it is a place that, that, that's for trial and error, for research and development. Um, we, we talk to our clients as well that it's a place for collaboration. So it's not just a place for people to come in and see what we do then go away. Yes, yeah. It's a place where people come in, you know, as, as Ali was saying, that we, we go through updates with <coughs> we, we progress on the software that we're creating with people. We maybe work out what works, what doesn't work. And it really is a work in progress sort of place. So it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a lab, not just in name, but also in nature. And we did toy around with the idea of demo suite, but actually we don't use this for demos. We don't bring clients in and then just talk at them for two hours. That's, sure, yeah. that's not what we do here. What we do here is, is really get to unearth what they're trying to get across, what they're trying to use their permit install for, what they're trying to use their demo suite or their event for, mm. what is the purpose behind it, so that we can then work with them to concoct something that gets that across in the best possible light. Yeah. And, it's, and it's intriguing for them, uh, for, from my perspective as a, a sales person and now a sales manager, it was always a challenge for me to offer um, the client something. So I want yeah. to come and see you. Here's what I've got to offer. And I essentially used to walk in with a, a box of gadgets <laughs> and a laptop with some videos. Yeah. And, and kind of people would first see you and think, okay, what's this guy got? And then you open your box, show them a few gadgets. And by the time you show them the videos of what we've done, 
they're kind of mesmerized by it and they then realize actually what you do is serious mm. so we needed to align our offering with what we were doing essentially and now we've got this intriguing strapline pixel lab people want to know what pixel lab is yeah. i want you to come to pixel lab they're like, hang on that sounds different that sounds unique what is this absolutely well any, anything that prompts a question or intrigue is instantly matt you know i don't have to preach you it's from a marketing point of yeah. view you, you've got them haven't you? you you're hooking them in straight away if there's a Ooh, what is that? Which, which is, which is a, you know, a, big, a big point for our marketing of Pixel Lab, the intrigue. So we have our own website specifically for Pixel Lab, pixellab.london. Um, but interestingly enough, none of our marketing material shows anything of the inside of Pixel Lab. We allude to what's in here. We talk about augmented reality, touchscreen apps, multifaceted digital solutions, etc., and how that all comes together to create the experience. But we don't really want people to look at a picture or to look at a video and think that they understand the space because it's an experiential space. We want people to come in here and knock their socks off. You know, they're coming. No, nobody, no, I've never encountered anybody that's come in here and has gone, yeah, yeah it's okay. Most people, their jaw yeah, hits the floor and they're amazed. That's as you was this morning. Well, first yeah, came. I walked in here and I thought exactly the same thing, but, but that has a direct correlation to how event professionals work yes mm. you know no, no event professional generally speaking would book a major event at a space and not go and have a look at it first of all they wouldn't look at the photos or the some videos on a website and think oh yeah i, I get what that space can do they go down there and look at it mm. and be inspired so in, in, in one way of looking at it really all you're doing here by not showing photos and video of it is doing exactly what your clients yeah. would be doing with their own venues yeah absolutely yeah um Collaboration is, is, is a key one. You know, we talk about it a lot in the event industry. You know, there is a constant collaborative process that takes place with any supplier and client and between suppliers as well. But I, I suppose thinking about it more so because of the nature of what you guys are doing, I guess you never really have one portfolio. Your portfolio of what you can do is never, ever the same from day to day, let alone month to month. Um, it's a, it must be a constant collaborative it's, process. It's constantly evolving, and collaboration and trust is the the kind of the key element to us forging relationships with the people that we work with. So those people might be a huge financial institution, it might be a small stand builder, mm. and we do work with an, an absolutely huge, broad range of different clients. But the kind of key denominator that we always find is is that trust because it doesn't matter whether we are working with a huge financial institution that are spending two million pounds on an experience center or whether we're working with a stand builder who's spending five thousand pounds on a tuck chat that process is just as important to that person and that's a point in their career where they're really focusing on something that's a little bit unique for them it's not the kind of thing they do every day and it's maybe been difficult for them to find the right supplier the right person the person who can inject the right ideas and come up with the right solutions for them and it might be that they're at a point where they're really kind of under the microscope so the, the guys that we work with at innovation centers, they're really under the microscope to say, we've tasked you with coming up with this thing and making it work for us. Show me what you've done or show me what you're going to do. And they need to be able to demonstrate that they've got the right partners that they're working with. So we really need to build those collaborative relationships and show that we can work together with them to, to do that. Yeah, and, and that trust is basically how we've built the business. Obviously, we're mm. well known within the industry, particularly as a... The starting point of the company, which was the, the tech side, the kit, mm. um, and that trust that we've built up over the 25 years, I think we've been running, is just seeped into everything we do. But particularly on the software side, where everything is on the line, everything's on the line anyway with events. You sure. get one chance, it's dead, <laughs> yeah. everybody knows the deadlines, etc. But 
when it comes to cutting edge software, you need to be able to trust the partner that you, that you get to create your software. Now, that's what we bring to it. We've got the scale, yes, and we've got all of the kit and inventory, which is helpful to my team and the developers coming up with the software and ideas. But actually, what it comes down to is the people and the relationships and the trust. And our clients have that in us because whilst we push the boundary on everything we do and we mm. can show you some very innovative things, we don't let people down. That is, that is what we've built our business on, is basically being at the cutting edge, but making it work every single time in the event mm, space. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's... And, and not, not just the event space, we should point out, because as uh, you've all alluded to, you know, on this, on this episode so far, um, there are permanent installs now. It's not just about, that's you right. know, turning up on a temporary basis, you know, and, I, and I'm sure that the, probably the <coughs> genesis of the, of the company was, you know, temporary events, but because of the nature of what you do now there are permanent installations that take place and yet you know i always like to draw comparisons with things permanent installations and companies and facilities that are investing in your services for a permanent install purpose must still be looking at the events element of it because they want they will want people to come into those spaces presumably and still get that feel of going to an event and but within their own facility yeah, well, we, we, through working in many different sectors, so we do a lot of work in pharmaceuticals and aerospace and mm. tech and very cross-sector. And because of that, we basically develop the, the expertise in how to quickly and efficiently communicate a brand's message at an event. At an event, you've got a two-minute to five-minute time slot. We use the exact same skills and, and the, to, to create all these experiences and the innovation that we do, but to tell a deeper story in the innovation centres. So it's the exact same theatre, the exact same yeah. data capture, the exact same insights that you want to get out of your, your interactions, but just we're able to go to a deeper level in a four-hour tour around an experience centre than we are yeah. in a 10-minute interactive on, a, on, a, on an event. So they're both... I mean, events has always been our core, and it's a huge part of what we do, and I'm sure it will be forever. Mm. But, yeah, permanent installs are... All of our skills match it perfectly, and so we've just seemed to have skyrocketed in that direction as well. And, so. and the, the world's evolving, and businesses are having to evolve with it. It's it's quite easy now to own a company and, on the face of it, appear to have the same kind of website, the same kind of clients, the same kind of staff that a huge corporation would have that's in a huge tower in London, but yeah. you might be a small business in India or somewhere else. So yeah. they need something now unique to differentiate themselves. And the ability to invite somebody to an innovation centre and get face-to-face -face and meet people and say, actually, this is for real. These people have got this infrastructure and they're able to demonstrate it to me and I'm able to get involved and hands-on learn about their product. That, that gives them that kind of next step. But it also ties in very well with what happens at exhibitions and events because that's what exhibitions yeah. and events are all about so the, the two just seem to kind of work together really well we, we, we were talking on the podcast actually quite recently about um, event teams becoming uh, more closely aligned with the strategic leads of major corporations now in terms of the, 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 the strategic boards because of this greater emphasis that's been placed over the last few years of the power of live experiences when it comes to generating business for, for any given company. And as I said, some, somebody just recently um, w w was saying that it's really, really important now that events people and experienced people are actually working strategically with the business 
teams within major organisations to look at how one can actually benefit the other. So if they are setting business targets, they can actually look at what experiences they could look to develop and, and generate within their business to, 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 in order to meet those. Um, I don't know if you've got sort of any... Has there been any experience of, of looking at that? And, and have any of your clients come to you and said, look, this is you know, definitely a strategic move to actually generate business by putting in this installation? Absolutely. I mean, that... So we deliver a lot of insights in both from the events we do, but also from, um, from the permanent installs. And when you are talking about the investment that some of these top, you know, very well-known brands that we do permanent installs for, when they are investing the sort of money that they put into these places, they need that ROI. And they need to not just elevate their brand, but they need to show the return for it. So everything we do is basically intrinsically linked to getting sales, getting better education for their customers. Whatever their key takeaway is, we structure all of the software that we put in, all of the activations and the installations that we put in. Mm. They are all based around that core focus of driving business for them. I'd, I'd love to touch on sort of the R&D side of this, going um, you know, back to this um, scenario that we painted at the start. We're in Pixel Lab. You know, it's not just a London office. This is, this is an innovation centre. Um, and for you guys to stay one step ahead of what your clients potentially are coming and saying, this is what I want. You, you must have to be thinking, you know, two, three years ahead of what you can deliver now to order, in order to actually fulfil that when the time comes. It, I, I remember when I first set foot in, um, it was called DB Systems at the time, and we've since rebranded to DB Pixel House. I actually um, was going for a job through an agency for an insurance company, and that, that was kind of part of my background. Mm. And they invited me and convinced me actually to come along to DB to go for an interview and one of the first things that I noticed when I went through to the content department at the time which was a lot smaller about five or six people was just the crazy stuff that was going on in there mm. there was cables hanging out the walls there was cameras set up there was people kind of tracking their arms and it was causing lights to come on there was people in VR headsets when I'd you know, hardly seen those things so we're always kind of ahead of the curve with that but more importantly we've just got such an appetite for doing something that hasn't been done before and the guys are passionate about it and we've got WhatsApp chaps that are lit up till you know, two in the morning sometimes with have you seen this, do you think we could do this so we just it's kind of innate, it's in us that we want to make these things and we want to do something that's unique and we get really excited about it and we think that everybody should get just as excited as we are about it <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody said to me recently you know, when we all watched Minority Report yeah. you know, years ago um, whoa look at that and now you know some a, a kid will go up to an interactive touch hall at a museum and instinctively just go boom 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 without any thought at all and and do you have to have for in a company like this this sort of dare I say it childlike element to you in order to make sure that you're not thinking down one particular pathway all the time yeah I think so you need to the people who work with us need to have you know they need to be quite tech-centric and have an inquisitive mind and always be looking at not necessarily what has been done but what can be done. Mm. I think a key part of what we do, both at events and also permanent installations, is, is taking new tech that's out there yeah. and integrating it with the kind of software and experiences that we create. So we are sort of staying ahead of the curve. Um, whenever there's new consumer tech out there, we try and figure out ways to, to bring that to exhibitions, Abs events. Absolutely. But it's also about using that those creative minds. You know, we've got... 
game engineers, we've got 2D <coughs> designers, 3D designers, web guys, we've got data people, and all these people in-house. Mm. Now, what that creates is, as I'd explained, it's sort of like a hive, a living thing, where everybody's trying to think of what can we do next? How can we combine these things? And actually, that usually outpaces new tech. Mm. So as DB Systems, where we came from, our tech business, we were always, and we still do, you know, spend a million quid a year on CapEx still, but, <laughs> but, the, um, but tech only comes out in iterations these mm. days, whereas actually what our software team are able to do is take a fairly mundane or even old piece of kit, combine it with something else, and we generate a new, yeah. totally new experience from that. So we can combine motion gestures with, say, a holographic unit, combine mm. the two together to make an interactive holographic unit, and we got something new. We can combine an iPad wall with, say, an object recognition table so that the two talk to each other and can trigger off each other, mm. and we create a new experience for, for, for our customers and a new way of showing their message. Mm. So that's what having all of those, the team in-house does, is it gives us that sort of creative brain, really. Sure. Yeah, I think, just picking up there what Ali's saying, in terms of the new AV tech that's coming out there, if you're looking at screens, for example, you might be going from a standard 4K to an 8K or a, a 2.6 to 1.5 mil from the AV perspective, but reality, it's still just showing a video on a screen. Whereas mm. what we're doing software-wise is we're linking that screen, we're making it interactive, we're tying it in with a touch table, with a touch wall, yeah. augmented reality, virtual reality, etc. We're creating a whole experience. So rather than just using one piece of AV, it's taking in a whole array of different um, different areas of technology, really. Yeah. Has it has it helped you as a business? <coughs> Feel free, any any one of the three of you, to chip in on this. You know, millennials are now coming out of university. They're, they're in, you know, in the working environment, and we've probably and arguably got the first generation of uh, professional, you know, people who have grown up with technology, with interactive technology, with this, you know, fourth industrial revolution's worth of touchscreen interactivity, connectivity. Have you seen a big leap as a business in terms of how easy it is to converse with potential clients because? this sort of younger generation has got a better understanding of it? There's a yes and no to that. The yes is that they get it and you can have a, a very straight conversation and technical conversation mm-hmm. and you can almost kind of skip the having to explain how it works bit and go straight to the this is the final outcome and this is what it'll look like. Yeah. But then secondary to that, there's also the no bit, which is you've got to do something really unique and impressive to encapsulate that audience to the point where they're going to say that is different that's not something that I can type into YouTube or Google and find that's a unique idea that you've tied into this brand and it's something that's going to work really well for this particular scenario in this particular case so that's where we have to work so much smarter in understanding their brand understanding what their final output is because someone will come to you and say we want VR for example yeah okay we can do VR here's some examples of what we've done that's not working smart really we need to work backwards and say why do you want VR what are you trying to get the outcome of this and actually by the time you work backwards and go back through it again it's not VR they want it's a touch app or it's AR or it's because there, there is that sn- dare I say it some snobbery sometimes you know if you if you go to events regularly as a, as a delegate and as a, as a visitor mm. that you know a client can come to you and say, we want this because it's wonderful. Mm. And all their visitors come and go, oh, yawn, old hat, we've seen it before, give mm. us something new. Mm. You know, 
you know, I don't want to sort of dumb it down too much, but there is that element sometimes. So you do have to, this goes back to the R&D side of things, of staying ahead of the game, and also, I guess, having a, a longevity as a business of understanding and being able to say to a client, what actually is your intention for this? What outcome are you wanting? Absolutely. I mean, you've nailed it there. What is, there's, there is no point, even you could take any single piece of technology on its own, it is not going to wow anybody really it needs to come alive and it needs to more importantly have a purpose for them it needs to not just be tech for tech's sake not just be software for software so it needs to actually deliver that message for the brand in a a unique way and you mentioned about millennials and and sort of the Mm. bringing on of new ideas so we've got strong links with the the local unis where we are in in Tewkesbury, Gloucestershire, Worcestershire Mm. around that area and so we kind of because we've grown business, we kind of have a constant treadmill in of new, uh, of new talent into the business, which is brilliant for us, particularly on the creative side and new technology side and software side, but actually across the board, and it helps keep us fresh. Yeah. But then at the same time, we have the experience of all the years we've been doing this, and, and so the sort of the why, if you like, as to why the brands might want to do this and how they can do it best effectively to get their message across. Is, is there still a scenario where the, the, you know, the really simple stuff is still deployed? Does it always have to be about wowing and you know, developing something new and innovative? Or can it be where actually on a case-by-case basis, it might just be that they want the simple solution? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there is a place for everything. Obviously, we try and talk through with our clients, not necessarily what they just want, what they, what they think they want, but what they want to achieve. But then it might be that they're so single-minded in terms of that they definitely want uh, an animation for an LED wall that isn't touching interact or, or, or whatever and then clearly they're a client so we'll, we'll, do, we'll do the work for them yeah. um, but obviously we try and guide them and give them our expertise within that sector on to how to, how to make the most out of their opportunity I think it's probably pertinent to say as well there are certain things in both events <coughs> and retail and parent installs and everywhere else that we work that there are patterns for what the top brands want. And it doesn't matter what the sector is. They've got the need to attract an audience. They've got the need to deliver a message at that audience. And they've got the need for the insights and the ROI behind it. Now, over the years and, and of constantly innovating, we've realized that there are also some pieces of software that we've made that are applicable in each of those situations. And we've started to productize those. So things like object recognition tables, things like Pixel Hub, which is a sort of uh, global information and product management tool that we've built uh, based in the cloud. And also the iPad walls, object recognition tables, these are things that repeatedly come up. So we have honed those to such a state now that they're in a a sort of productized format that we can just effectively roll out because we know what works for these brands. So we can help guide them to certain products or we can create something genuinely brand new for them um, and it just depends on what the purpose is and what the message is and there is a bit of a pattern that quite often and I think this goes back to the collaboration the trust element quite often we may find that it starts with a basic form of interactive it might be a touch up or a straight up video wall and some animation but as we develop the relationships and they develop the trust it then tends to turn into the more exciting interactives and different elements so I think for them it's a journey that they need to go on themselves to kind of figure out how do we get to that point because I don't just want to dive in head first actually I want to test the water first yeah. and then I'll eventually go full hog and I'll have 
you know, VR, AR, and all those kind of more compl- complicated elements. Has there been, as the company has evolved, and, and we've, we've mentioned that you know, formerly DB Systems and DB Pixel House, as the business has evolved, has the type of event, if we look specifically in the world of, of events, evolved with it? Do you, do you tend to work on one type of event now? Are there, are there events that you would do you know, 15, 20 years ago that you now don't really do now? or uh, How much has it changed? Um, well, we've grown a lot in the last 20 years. So in terms of the types of events, we, we still do many of the same, we service a lot of the same customers that we did 20 years ago, <coughs> but obviously what we've done is, is grown our client base, and that's in turn grown the sort of events that we go to, so we get sure. involved with everything from, you know, work at Cheltenham Racing Festival, mm. right the way through to Farnborough Air Show, to Mobile World Congress, and the larger, the larger events around Europe, and in terms of the software that we've been doing for the last eight years, that's taken us all over the world. So we get involved with a lot of events in America, purely on the software side. Um, and so, yeah, it's always changed over the years, but then we have highlights in each and every year where we, where we go to the same event year on year for many years, servicing the same clients. Mm-hmm. Some, some grow and some decline. It's, and we kind of see both elements of that, and they do fluctuate. So there's certain events that we've worked at where we, we know the expenditure's been huge, and that's been throttled back a little bit. Yeah. And then there's other areas where it's grown uh, exponentially in comparison to what it was previously. So it, we do have a good idea on the general trends mm. of what's happening in the whole kind of event space as well, which is really useful f- for us to kind of give us an insight as to what we should be targeting next and the kind of, kind of areas that we should be looking at. Mm. And also working with some of the different agencies and the brands um, for those guys... You know, we have people like um, a blockchain company that we work for, and the, that industry is mushroomed, but yet it still goes to the same events that we service some more traditional banks like Cybar Sasha. So, working with those guys to do something incredibly and new that fits in with their blockchain message. So, we did yeah. a huge iPad installation at Cybos. Um, and for social media, you know, we do um, for one of the new up and coming social media companies. We produced something for them in New York at Fashion Week, and so right. it takes us into different areas as we latch on to the agencies and the brands that they serve. Sure, and I, yeah, and I guess uh, as a as a as a business operator, I guess you've had to put into place a scenario where the business is flexible enough to move with your clients' demands as well. You can't have a necessarily a fixed structure or a fixed way of working if your clients are so dynamic you, yeah, you must have some I, I think the thing with, with what we do at DB is, is we're very versatile in terms of it doesn't really make too much of a difference the marketplace that we're working in whether it's uh, an exhibition whether it's a customer innovation centre whether it's retail whether it's for a conference essentially all of our experiences can be tailored in the same way to what the client wants to achieve whether that client is the event organizer whether it's an exhibitor at an exhibition whether it's an agency or whether it's a, a brand and we're a customer experience center what we do is is very versatile it can be sort of put in different boxes for them yeah and i've got a meeting tomorrow <coughs> for example here with a huge i can't say at the moment unfortunately but a huge retail chain that everybody knows and it's with their store designers and they want to engage more to get people in their stores and keep them there because the high streets are struggling at the moment, retail struggling, a lot it more is, people yeah. are buying online. Yeah. So they need 
more innovative ways and engaging ways to keep people and get them to buy things in store. And they're, they're coming to us asking us that question, how do you engage people in a packed environment mm -hmm. and what can we do to bring that into our retail stores? So we're actually working directly with brands in some areas, we're working with agencies in some areas to help them understand what we've done, what's our history, what we've been doing and proving for the last 20 years works in these spaces and yeah. how can we bring it to you. Yeah. I think one thing that's relevant there is that if we've got a solution that stops people in their tracks and, and, and attracts a lot of attention at an exhibition, mm. then there's a high likelihood that tailor that to a different market and it will do exactly the same in retail. Yeah. It's still going to welcome it's still going to drop people. It's a great proving ground for retail, isn't it? Because yeah. you've got a very similar dynamic. You've got lots of things on display, you know, very That's similar right, to yeah. a high street or a shopping mall where you've got a lot of shop fronts on display. They're all vying for your attention and for your business. So, as you said, it's, it's, it's the perfect proving ground in some respects. If, if it stops people in their tracks down the middle of an aisle at the NEC and they go, what is this? Mm -hmm. yeah. Then chance are it's going to translate. You're doing something, I think you're doing something outside of what's expected. You know? So a lot of these big shows, um, we've got ICE over, over at Excel at the moment actually, where mm. there will be hundreds of, hundreds of stands which will have LED walls, which yeah. in, in itself, if it's showing great content, fabulous, it's going to attract a bit of attention, but you're still one out of potentially 200, 300 stands that's got an LED wall. But yeah. as soon as you make that interactive that people can do stuff with, or gamify it, etc. Then, then you're adding another dynamic to it, which will hopefully up make their, those exhibitors stand out from their competition. And yeah. obviously, that applies to retail too. And just as a, as, a, as a blatant plug here, I remember something at Event Tech Live last year, where you guys have got your fantastic stand that, you, that you've set up for. You know, every year it's slightly different, but you've you've created this very sort of unique presence that always stands out and people know to recognise at Event Tech Live. And yet, immediately next to you, the tech company. I think they had this, all this old sort of vintage furniture, a carpet and, and some yeah. Chesterfield. And it was a, just a nice yeah, dynamic, it's, actually, it's, yeah, in a tech it's show. It's a nice juxtaposition it was, yeah, between the a, old and the new, isn't it? And it's, that's what people don't expect. Yeah. When you go to these events now, whether it's a pharmaceutical event, a, 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 an event such as ICE, you kind of expect all of those LED walls. So if, if I'm an exhibitor there, I'm thinking, okay, I've got to have an LED wall because that's what's expected. But then we're encouraging our clients and, and agencies and exhibitors to be brave and do something that's not expected yeah. because that will take you to the next, to the next level. I, mu I must ask, uh, whilst we've got all three of you here on the show today, um, the 5G question, how far down the road you are with it and what opportunities and um, what headaches it's, it's going to present to you um, in the coming years. You know, it's... it's slowly starting to roll out but like the other types of, of communication technology when we had 3G and then 4G there will be probably a six month period in the near future where it suddenly goes boom yeah so it affects our business um, positively in many different ways actually so from the software point of view so obviously means we can deploy our AR apps and we can we can mm. actually utilise that, that bandwidth to, to put out experiences mm. on bring your own device um, experiences for example we can do a lot more than currently we're able to but actually um, we also provide on the tech side we also provide the network for say Farnborough Airshow now how it affects that is actually really interesting because we can offer more solutions around the venue to, um, to exhibitors and also to, to the delegates. So it just means we can tie so many more things onto the infrastructure and the network because we've got that capability to, uh, to provide more to the customers. I guess you've got to think very carefully about when is the right time to deploy something that 
requires that level of connection because there's inevitably going to be this crossover period, you know, as we have between 3G and 4G, where you're going to have some people with the ability to connect at that level and some people who don't. And what you don't want to do is prohibit the people without the connection from getting onto something that you have designed that will only work with that particular type of connection. You don't want to wait too long to deploy it and fall behind the game, but of course do it too early and you end up with dissatisfied visitors. It must be a real um, difficult one to to balance. Yeah, and and inclusion is always something that we we have to contemplate. Web AR, as an example, is something that we've been looking at a lot recently. And the problem with Web AR is that certain phones will deal with it really well and certain phones just won't. So it's not really, at this stage, in every environment, a viable option for us. Mm -hmm. And I think as far as 5G goes, we would... We'd use it when it's the right thing to do. It, yeah. would be, it would be a tool that would help us achieve something that we wouldn't be able to do it without. If we can do something without 5G, great, we, would, we wouldn't go there. But if it got to the point where it said, you know what, we need this bandwidth, we can't have everybody carrying a powerful PC around, we just need to transmit that data to a device that they can view it on, that would be a means to an end for us. Mm. So I think that's how we would approach 5G, is, is it would be something that, okay, we need this now, let's use it. Mm. And I guess if we're in, in the grand scheme of things, we are in a luxurious position. You know, who would have thought, you know, 15 years ago, if you pointed out some of the stuff that we, we take for granted on a day-to-day basis in terms of technology, in terms of hardware and connectivity, you know, we are fundamentally in a quite a fortunate position to be where we are at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, I've been in the industry for a long time. And the... the, the, uh, the amount of change that has happened in that time has been staggering but just what always surprises me is the <laughs> thirst for more and the thirst for people like yeah. the guys in our team that keep on coming up with pushing the envelope for what's next and I don't see that stopping anytime soon um, so 5G is here to support that. Fantastic well, it's been great having you on the show today guys um, and, and thank you once again for, for allowing us to set up the podcast studio here. We're going to be recording a number of episodes here at Pixel Lab um, today with a number of different guests coming in from all sorts of backgrounds talking about a number of subjects. So keep your eye out for those episodes of the podcast that will come out in the next few weeks. Um, thank you particularly to Matt for the very nice coffee that I've had so far this morning <laughs> since arriving on my journey down from Yorkshire. And um, keep them coming. We'll probably need another three or four of those um, at least today. Uh, our guests on today's edition of the Event Industry News podcast have been Alistair Reese, Director of DB Pixel House, Matt Rakowski, Marketing Manager from DB Pixel House, and Adam Price, Sales Manager from DB Pixel House, who have joined the podcast today, as I said, at Pixel Lab, their London HQ innovation space that we've talked about today, showcasing a range of the amazing tech. Um, if people want to get in touch with you directly, Matt, you, I know you've already mentioned the Pixel Lab specific website, but just give us that one more time. Yep, so the Pixel Lab website is pixellab.london. Excellent. Nice simple. Um, or you can drop us a line on info at dbpixelhouse.com to arrange any meetings or communications. Fantastic. If you want to see what the guys are up to, I'm sure all the usual social media channels, if you search for them and search for, uh, for DB Pixel House, you'll find them very, very easily. If you are watching today's episode of the podcast on Event Industry News, first of all, hello, a wave to the camera, we'll break the fourth <laughs> wall. Um, and uh, don't forget, whilst you're on eventindustrynews.com, head over and check out some of the latest features, news, supplements on the rest of the website. Of course, the flip side to that is if you are watching this but you want to listen to audio-only versions of all of the podcasts, 
podcast, go to your favourite podcast download app on your mobile device and you can listen to those on your commute to and from work or in that very rare thing, some downtime during your event. Our thanks again to the guests. My name's James Dixon and we'll see you on the next edition of the Event Industry News Podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.